Okay, so let me start by again welcoming all of you, anyone who has joined us uh, this evening, and we're just so honored to have you with us. And uh, I'm going to briefly tell you why I'm here. So I'm lucky enough to have to live in New York City, but I actually grew up on a farm in Western Pennsylvania, and um, it's it's not only helped me with every essay I ever needed to write to get into any college program or and on my, you know, helps me in my business, all these ways in which my mother didn't know that was going to help me. It also had me, uh, garnered in me a tremendous love of nature and um, of what it, the connection to our food source and growing. We had a sheep farm, an organic farm in Western Pennsylvania. And so I grew up moved to New York City, which was about the farthest you're going to get from the farming life. And uh, but yet I still care so deeply and I'm so great, gracious that I uh, grateful that I can be a part of Fourth Universal Society where we have a justice team, part of which is the environmental justice team. So we have decided as a group this year, we are we decided that Food justice was important. It was something that we wanted to learn about and bring to um, to more knowledge about. And we've found some incredibly wonderful people who have been willing to be experts in the various panels that we've done. This is our third one. And so we've just dedicated this entire month uh, to food justice at our church. And so we're hoping that by through through this learning, but we also are very uh, hopeful that we will be taking action out of this. And at the end of the presentation, we have some advocacy actions and things that you could be taking that would inspire you to become more environmentally conscious around food justice. So if you have any questions about our food justice month or anything, uh, questions about our environmental team, justice team, you can put um, information into the chat. Barbara, my co-chair, Barbara Woods, is also on the on the call. You can send a message to her directly or she can put information into the chat where you can learn how to be in communication with us. Now, I do want to also mention that we are going to have two experts this evening and there I am sure that it's going to st stir up and, and conjure a lot of questions for you. But we have learned that, especially in larger groups, and I'm sure you've spent a lot of time on Zoom lately, that it is better for us to be using the chat for questions rather than unmuting and talking over each other, et cetera. And also, uh, Mary is our first, Mary Most is our first presenter, and we were discussing before we started how often all of the questions get answered anyway throughout the presentation. But we definitely want to hear from you. We want to know your questions. So what please, if you have questions along the way, just post them in the chat. If you're newer to Zoom, just look at the bottom. You're going to see a little chat option, chat button. You'll see it popping up and enter your questions. And I'll be monitoring that and bringing those to Mary's attention as we get further into her presentation. So if you have any questions about that, you can post them into the chat. So let's dive in and get started because we have so much incredible information to share with you this evening. And I want to start with bringing forward um, some ideas and, and create a context for us in this presentation. 
There's a woman named Naima Peniman, and she is a program director at a place called Soul Fire Farm, which is an Afro-Indigenous-centered community farm that trains black and brown farmers and runs other food sovereignty programs. And this is something we learned a lot about in our presentation last week is how few black and brown farmers and, and people of color that are actually able to farm, especially um, her. So the work that she's doing is so important. And she recently noted that, that there's a cruel irony to our food system, to our current food system. Some people have so much access to food that they're routinely producing massive amounts of food waste, <laughs> which has harmful environmental impacts, while others of us are regularly food insecure or experiencing hunger. So I, I know, you know, when we were kids and our mom would say, clean your plate because there's children starving in India, and you'd be like, I don't know those kids. So we know that there's this huge imbalance in our world. And so what part of the work that we're doing together is to reduce that imbalance. Every year, American consumers, businesses, and farms spend, spend $218 billion a year, or 1.3% of our GDP, growing, processing, transporting, and disposing food that is never eaten. That is 52 million tons of food sent to landfills annually, plus another 10 million tons that's just discarded or left unharvested on farms. And in the meanwhile, one in seven Americans is food insecure. <clears throat> and as we learned during our presentation last week, this the COVID-19 pandemic has worsened New York City's food insecurity crisis. 1.5 million New Yorkers in New York City alone are now struggling to feed themselves and their family, which is a 38% increase. One in four children are now food insecure, which is a 49% increase over pre-COVID numbers. So COVID has definitely impacting us and our and food insecurity in our city, just here in New York City. And meanwhile, in New York City alone, over 308,000 pounds in organic waste is collected every single day, <laughs> which produces more than 100 million pounds a year of organic waste that's going to go straight into, into our landfills. And so that's a total of 3.9 million tons of wasted New York food, which, as we know, does gets trucked, so it's, it gets trucked in and then it gets trucked out. So it's also impacting uh, not only what's happening in the landfills, but also the bigger carbon footprint. So these decomposing food scraps and other organic material in landfills produce methane, which is a greenhouse gas that's even more harmful than carbon dioxide. And the carbon footprint of food waste and organic waste is equal to the petroleum transportation footprint. So think about that. It's leading to excess greenhouse gas emissions and a halving, a making half, putting in half food waste would bring emissions within the carbon budget outlined by the Paris Agreement. So just by halving our food waste, not even eliminating it. 
So we're going to start today by discussing why composting is a great way to mitigate the carbon footprint that food waste is having on our communities and in our world, and, and how also that composting is a community building tool, it's a jobs creator, and it's a way to fight environmental racism. And as Jesse Taylor Cruz wrote, compact, excuse me, composting is an act of protest and a form of direct action. So we're gonna start this evening by introducing our first panelist who is Mary Most. She's the Senior Agency Liaison slash Grants Administrator for uh, DSNY Recycling and Sustainability. And she has been promoting and, uh, excuse me, she's been promoting recycling and waste prevention for the New York City Department of Sanitation since Recycling became mandatory in, anybody know the year? I didn't either, 1989, 1989. She's written and edited many of the program's informational brochures and web content, including New York City's Guide to Waste Prevention and the Master Composter Certification Manual. And she's currently helping agencies and institutions to reduce their carbon footprint by recycling and reducing waste and securing state and federal grants to continue the Bureau's work. She's also the chair of the Green Sanctuary Team at First Unitarian Congregational Society in Brooklyn, so a fellow UU. So now I want to turn things over to Mary and introduce her and, and she has a presentation for you as I've mentioned Go ahead and put your questions in the chat. I'll be monitoring it. And then we will see if she has time to answer all of them. So Mary, I turn it over to you. Thank you. I wanted to thank you for having me here today. It's wonderful, as I said before, that my vocation and my avocation have blended so well. And I count on the UU congregations to bring these issues to the forefront. Your introduction was phenomenal. Thank you, Liz. I'm gonna share my presentation, um, which is here. Come on up. Uh, what we're gonna be talking about tonight is why are we doing this? And what are some of the programs already in place to divert food scraps and yard waste, including reduce, reuse, recycle, food donation, distribution, curbside composting. We'll show a quick video on what happens to your food scraps. Um, Drop-off composting options that are still around, New York City Compost Project, and um, resources for you. And I love to say, stump me with your questions. Um, we start with what's in New York's waste. We've done waste characterization studies where we sorted out what residents actually throw away. And what we discovered was about a third of it is residential curbside um, can be recycled in your blue and green bin. And another third is suitable for composting. But why are we doing this? Why does this matter in the first place? And as Liz mentioned, um, Number one is the greenhouse gas emissions that happen when you throw this stuff into landfills. As you may have heard from research, they, they've discovered a hot dog that was in there from the 1940s in an anaerobic environment. This stuff does not decompose 
um, the way it would if it were out in, in a compost heap. Um, we are trying to decrease our greenhouse gas emissions, um, reduce our carbon footprint. New York City is in alignment with the Paris Climate Agreement. You may know that uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio served, uh, issued an edict that we are in alignment the same day that our former president said that we're leaving the Paris Accord. So those are some of the environmental benefits. The other thing is there are financial benefits, economic benefits. Do you know how many landfills are left in New York City? People get this wrong all the time. The answer is zero. We have no landfills that are operating anymore in New York City. So every single bag of garbage that you put in that garbage can is exported by truck, by freight train, cars after cars um, going to other states, going to other parts of New York. There's this myth that we are running out of landfill space. That's not true. There are plenty of places that are happy to take our taxpayer dollars and put our land, put them in, in secure uh, landfills all over the country, but it costs us money. And why should we be doing that when we can possibly recycle this stuff? Recycling creates jobs. It can create more than seven, more, seven times more jobs than sending the waste to the landfills. We have a paper mill that's right here in Staten Island. We have a municipal sorting facility in Sunset, Brooklyn, and we have composting facilities in New York City. There are three in New York City and others that we export to nearby. My favorite reason to do this is that it saves, conserves resources. I see no reason to be chopping down the tree so I can have a piece of paper when I could be using recycled paper instead. These materials have already been extracted from our planet, reuse them. So how do we get there? There's a hierarchy for what we call zero waste. You've heard this for 40 years, reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the hierarchy, start with reduce. In New York City, we've been recycling since 1989 in these two streams which basically just means keeping designated materials separated from trash. You want to invite me back. I can do another hour on recycling in New York City sometime. Today, we're going to be talking about how do we divert food scraps and yard waste. By food scraps, I mean anything that was once alive. Um, these are organic materials. Food includes food soiled paper like your tea bags, your soiled napkins, and any kind of plant waste. We come back to this chart where you can see that 34% of those materials are suitable for composting. If you look at schools, that climbs up to 51% of the materials that are being discarded by schools are suitable for composting. So we're trying to capture this. We want to reduce the amount of waste that goes to landfills. We want to create compost to restore New York City's depleted soils and some of the materials being diverted to the anaerobic digesters that some of you may have seen those giant eggs at Newton Creek to create energy. And the other reason the Department of Health loves people to separate their food scraps is it reduces the vermin that happen, that occur when you're putting bags of garbage out on the curb and leaving them out there. The rats know your garbage day. <laughs> they come out <laughs> because they know exactly when that material is at the curb. Reduce, reuse, recycle, what's the first step? There are multiple strategies to do all of this. Donating food 
dropping off food and vegetable scraps that are leftovers, composting at home, and setting material out at the curb. I do want to talk about Donate NYC launched a food donation portal that's available for nonprofits and businesses that have leftover food from events. This is a live, real time. We've got food right now. We had a banquet. We have all this food left over, and people will come and collect it and give it to people, organizations that are fighting hunger in New York City. Because this was set up and we have this live portal. Um, nyc.gov slash donate select food this became the uh, framework for get food new york city which has provided over 600 million meals since the beginning of covid to people who are hungry in new york city and trying to close that gap between the food insecure we had curbside composting i put asterisks all through this presentation to show which programs are currently suspended um, due to COVID-related budget cuts. By that, we mean, um, as you know, New York City's budget was severely cut. Um, what, what it would need to bring it back, we can talk about later, but basically it would require an additional $30 million that we don't have this year. Whether we'll have it next year remains to be seen. Um, we hope so. What sir, the curbside service was collecting food scraps, food soiled paper, and yard waste from residents from certain nonprofits and city agencies. With the brown bins that people were given, they're latched so they're rodent proof and they're collected on a regular schedule every week. This, uh, the light yellow shows the areas in New York City that had curbside composting um, at the where they receive the bins automatically. The darker orange um, is where people could enroll if they wanted to. So that's basically all of Manhattan and the Southern Bronx. And the orange was the, uh, where we were yet to expand to. What we were trying to do in those, case, in those places is make sure that people had an option to bring food scraps if they couldn't bring it to the curb. Department of Sanitation also composts seasonally. Fall leaf collection again was suspended this fall. We do collect Christmas trees and collect them separately in a separate truck. This time I saw chippers out on my block, chipping the trees all at once. We collected over 150,000 trees curbside and many thousands more were brought to Mulchfest in the various parks and the various boroughs. I'm gonna find out tomorrow what that count is when we meet with the parks department. So thank you. And what happens to food scraps? I'm gonna call on Brett to play this short video, which actually stars our former commissioner, Catherine Garcia and her mother. We need sound. Garcia, New York City Department of Sanitation Commissioner, and we're here today talking about organic recycling and composting, black gold. I'm with my mother, Ann McIver, and we're going to talk about how she composts. She's in our organic pilot program in Park Slope in Brooklyn. Mom, can you tell me how you participate in the program? So I have a bin 
that I keep, uh, this white actually it's a canister, that I keep on my counter very conveniently. And I use these compostable bags that you can buy at, at almost all stores. And I put them directly into a bin, which I keep on the counter. Then when, I, when it's get pretty full, uh, I keep it like this and I tie it up and I take it and I put it out in my brown bin. So what do you do after I cut this and I put this in here, it goes out of the bin, the men pick it up. What happens to it then? So after the sanitation workers collect it, it gets taken to a transfer station and pre-processed where we remove any of the contaminants. It then goes up to McEnroe Farms in upstate New York. They mix the scraps and yard waste with wood chips or hay, for example. The mixture is set into rows which rest for several months. The material is regularly turned for perfect balance of air, moisture, carbon, and nitrogen. That's what transforms scraps into compost. Then the compost is sifted and it's ready for bagging. So mom, counter to compost to counter. Beautiful tomatoes. Beautiful. Join us. Get with the program. Visit nyc.gov organics. So food scrap drop-offs are still operating, even though we've suspended the um, curbside collection. There are over 102 public food scrap drop-off sites in New York City. You can find the map at nyc.gov slash drop food scraps. There's also a Google sheet. These uh, links will come to you after today's show. We also invite people to host a drop-off if you're part of a community organization, a community garden, or our church was doing it, um, collect food scraps from the public. We will help give you signage and either we'll help walk you through how you can um, either get it collected or compost on site if you have that availability. If you're already dropping a food scrap drop off site, we wanna know about that. We wanna make sure that you're on our map. So let us know. You can also uh, compost at home. We give you guides on how to do that. I'm sorry, we have some pictures that show people from a couple of years ago without masks. I know I feel skeevy when I see that. Uh, we have compost project, the NYC compost project has compost sites and there are other over 200 community compost sites around. If you'd like to compost at home, we can get you guides on how to set up a worm bin under your dining room table. It, honestly, it doesn't smell, I've heard that or in your backyard if you're so lucky to have it. I'm talk for a minute about NYC Compost Project, which has been around since 1993. We're operating in four botanical gardens and three nonprofits, um, doing education and training master composters who are running a lot of these food scrap problems on Governor's Island by Earth Matter, Queensborough Bridge operated by Big Reuse, there's a couple of pictures of their steaming piles of compost that they've created. The Brooklyn Six Salt Loss Compost operated by Big Reuse. East River Park by the Lower East Side Ecology Center. Queens Botanical Garden Farm. The Red Hook Community Farm operated by Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And the compost is distributed back to the community, the Parks Department to Street Trees Stewardship. Um, again, we hope that next summer we'll be able to continue to have give backs. 
I want to speak for one second about businesses and institutions because you may realize that there are organics requirements for businesses, for large businesses, food manufacturers, large food restaurants and chains to compost their food scraps. And they would hire a private hauler to do that. But we should know that this is still ongoing and these regulations are expanding as we speak. I'll send you to the sanitation website for more information, nyc.gov slash BSNY, where you can also order guides, materials, details, any other information. Do we want to handle questions now or do we want to move on to the Sandy Nurse? Uh, I think we, it would be good to, since we're right in the flow of this, we do have a few questions and we can always, um, and we, we can always come back a little bit later. So let's just, I'll just throw out a couple of questions that came up while you were speaking. Um, let's see. So one of the questions that came in is, uh, well, for, for all of us, can plant-based animal and animal-based food scraps be composted together? What, what oh, what a good question. Um, yes, in the brown bins or in food scrap drop-offs that are collected by sanitation. No in your backyard composting system, which is also most of the food scrap drop-offs are being composted in small community gardens. So for those think vegan, it's really only plant, plant waste. Got it. Okay. And one of the questions I actually had was when you were talking about the uh, redistribution of food, I know, of course, the organization I'm aware of is City Harvest. So yes. do, does New York City work with City Harvest? Is Very closely. Yeah, there, there are several organizations that are um, actually part of this food pantries. This is what I'm saying is that we, we already had a list of about 600 ways to get food out to the people in need. So that just dovetailed right into how do we feed people during the pandemic? People were already going to schools, so we kept schools open as a food distribution place. Um, because a lot of kids were getting sometimes their only meal of the day, school lunch, so we made that. Now you can come and get three meals. Now your whole family can come and get three meals. So when schools reopened, we had to ship that around. Now they're doing a lot of delivery to people's homes. That was actually part of our topic from last week and talking mm -hmm. about that. And is there a market for New York City's compost? We give it away. We use it for our own soil through the Parks Department, through community gardens, through um, there are sometimes, hopefully again, we'll have individual, we, we do street tree, um, where we'll go out and put compost in the street trees. So yeah, and we'll make a call if there's so much extra that we can put it into small bags and take it, take it home. Okay, and in regards to, since we're not selling it and there's no market for giving it away, is there has there been an evaluation on the amount of cost that it, how much it costs to compost something rather than send it to a landfill? Okay, there's no such thing as, we're not making money. I mean, I believe they do sell some to landscapers as well, but none of these processes, recycling doesn't make money, but there's the avoided cost of how much it costs to landfill. The cost for collection is still there. You still have trucks that you're paying for and gas and the labor of collection. So it's, it's a huge 
it's a huge formula. There's no simple answer. Um, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not able to answer that simply. Okay. And I, I think, again, you know, there's, there's cost, money cost, and then there's environmental cost. And we're looking, of course, the, the impact to our economy is huge. The life cycle analysis is, is what it keeps coming back to. Yeah. Okay. So just a couple more, and then let, we'll move um, to Sandy to, uh, there's a couple of questions that came in about apartment buildings being encouraged to participate <laughs> program resumes and is there some plan to make all residential apartment buildings compost in the future? So composting is not mandated and obviously increases participation as it does for did for recycling. It's not if any of you have ever traveled to any place outside of New York, you know that even recycling is not mandatory everywhere. Um, the one of the write to your call your city council and say you want this back in the budget, say that you want it mandated. Um, and that's one way that we would certainly be able to increase composting. They are uh, rolling it into apartment buildings on request. So where we saw that all of Manhattan, any apartment building that wanted to could enroll, the Department of Health would be encouraging buildings within the rat reservoirs to enroll and like actively pursuing it. We're you know, trying to get NYCHA enrolled, things like this. So. There, there were systems in place, and I was working with large institutions. Can we put bins on every floor, on two on a floor? How are we going to do this to make this work? And, but right now, much of that is on hold, of course, because of... Yes, that's curbside collection, and that's on hold. All right. And I think Sandy will be talking about some activism. Okay, and a question just came in to say, why can't the Parks Department and the, uh, the DOS come together to have composting in every city park? Um, that we, a lot of city parks are composting their uh, leaf waste, and a lot of that we were collecting actually. Um, they try to bring it to a central location um, and cart it out of there. They don't have, again, you're not going to be able to, it, it requires a lot of participation, it requires a lot of maintenance and handling. And um, so it's not just like, oh, let's put a, a little compost tumbler that can handle one person's household waste. You don't want that in your little vest pocket part. <laughs> so, okay, last question. Volunteer with your local park. Yes, volunteer. Okay, and last question. Does the DSNY support the development of a waste to energy solution in New York City? Where we're- um, We are currently sending, as I said, we're sending food scraps to the anaerobic digesters in um, Newton Creek, where they are using that as a wonderful source of energy. Um, and similarly, that the, those are maintained by the Department of Environmental Protection. So they're also turning sewage into energy, basically composting the, what's left after they've cleaned the water and the residue is being turned into energy. Um, waste to energy is um, another animal. And again, I'm I don't, I don't address policy. I address what we're doing. <laughs> so I need that. Well, thank you so much. I feel like uh, you just gave us a lot of information in a very short period of time. Is there 
uh, we'll, we'll be able to send out after this any places where people can either get in contact with you or look for other resources. And we will, we will share that and encourage everyone to do all, uh, independent research. And we could probably do this for the entire day and not spend, <laughs> uh, have. Thank our, you for having me. I look forward to hearing the rest of this. It's an honor to have you. So let's switch gears a little and uh, introduce our next panelist, which is Sandy Nurse. She's a community organizer, the founder of BKROT. She's a co-founder of the Mayday Space, which is a direct action organizer. Again, we'll be sending you these links. And a carpenter. You didn't guess I was going to say that, but I just said it. And she's a carpenter. So she's spent nearly a decade working to create the alternative institutions we need for positive social change while confronting power. She's an Afro-Latina, born in Panama to an immigrant father and raised by a single mother. She comes from a multicultural family with siblings who were born and raised in Puerto Rico. And she is a proud auntie to 10 nieces and nephews. I'm sure our very happy to have her as their auntie. And she's currently running for New York City Council in District 37 in Brooklyn. So now I would like to turn the presentation over to Sandy. Oh, hi, everyone. Um, thank you for having me and thank you for your um, passion and interest in composting. There's uh, nothing I could talk for longer than composting. I could talk for hours and hours about this. So thank you for having me. Um, and thank you, Mary, for your presentation and for you know the work that DSNY does to really um, not only uh, roll out organic waste recycling, but really the amount of time and energy and resources that has gone into educating New Yorkers and building really this big cadre of people who are um, knowledgeable and willing and ready to help other New Yorkers get involved in doing this very important work. So um, I'm gonna share my screen. Uh, I won't be able to look at the chat because I'm still learning how to chat and share screen at the same time. I'm going um, to be monitoring the chat for the questions and everyone can put the questions in there and then I'll, I'll bring them to your attention. So I thought I would just kind of um, share a little bit about our project that we started and how it has played a role in the larger uh, web of uh, what I would call community composters who are trying to support the overall goals of the city in increasing organic waste recycling and composting. So in 2013, um, after being very, very, um, deeply inspired by different uh, kind of projects that were fostering uh, resiliency in, in urban environments. Um, myself and a couple other friends got together and we decided our contribution to that larger work was going to be create a, was going to be to create a jobs program um, and try to model how we can both create easy access, uh, low barrier to entry jobs for um, young people in our community, people who are not, were not college, uh, college bound, young people who were looking to get a 
get involved in the sustainability industry, but really we're not going to be going to get master's degrees in, in uh, sustainability. So we created BK Rock. And what it is, is essentially a kind of closed loop system where we um, employ young people from the community. Uh, we pay them $15 an hour for year round work to collect food scraps from households and businesses within the area. And then they bring it back to um, some gardens, a, a space that we've uh, steward that's on public land and we process it and then we distribute the uh, compost uh, to other community gardens, urban farming projects. Um, and also we sell it in small bags to kind of sustain the, the, the garden space that we're in. So we, um, so kind of what it looks like is we have these young people with helmets and they ride around and they pick up from people with their like our little storage bins and um, we have regular bikes with trailers and we also have a, a pretty intense uh, trike uh, e-powered or e what do they call it e-assist bike i'm trying to move this out of the way so i can see the things um and we, uh, we give households a bucket, we give them a, a, a PDF or a printout of like, this is what can go in, this is what can't go in. Um, and every week on, I believe Sundays is now our collection day, we go and we have, a, you know, three or four young people out collecting these buckets that are put outside. We um, recommend, you know, we uh, share with folks that they should use bio uh, compostable bags or just put stuff directly in. And then we also host a food scrap drop off on Sundays so folks can come and uh, drop their material off. And it's not for free. We do have a system that our project is really at the, the heart of it is really about creating value to the labor that is involved in the work that we're doing, which is we see as some of the most vital work um, for our future is, is really focusing on drawing down the amount of waste that's going into landfills and really not only recycling organic waste, but producing this very life-affirming, life-filled material that is both supporting our larger ecosystem and replenishing the soils that we're scraping off of the <laughs> surface of the planet. So we, we really tried to um, position this as work and not something that is a hobby. This is something that really should be a job that is resourced and, um, you know, it's, it's backbreaking labor. It involves consistency. You have to really show up. You got to fight rats and rodents. So we really think this is something that should be seen as a community job. This should be somebody's um, opportunity to really sustain themselves while doing this important act that is supporting all of us. Um, so just a few things. I, I just like love our Instagram is just full of so many visuals that I didn't even think about making a PowerPoint. So we operate, we started, um, we actually started in a church, an Episcopalian church in a courtyard. Um, and we asked this amazing um, 
uh, um, I, I call her a priestess, but she's not a priestess. She's called a mother. But this woman who runs this Episcopalian church, we begged her to let us build compost bins. And we took down the baby Jesus um, Christmas display and built this composting system in its place. And we very quickly outgrew that. So um, Victor, who's here uh, in the center, who doesn't look happy, but is a, a normally happy person, was our actually our first employee. And we met him at a local school that, was, that had a, a, a farm attached to the school. And he's been working with us since he was 16. He's now 24, probably going on 25. So aging very quickly out of the program. Um, and he was our first person. We were, when we first started, we were, I think we collected maybe 300 pounds the first Sunday we ever did it. And we were so overwhelmed by that volume of material. And, and now, um, I don't know, they're collecting like something like, um, you know, three to 4,000 pounds in a single day. So it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty substantial load that we've been able to scale up to. Um, and we are based in Bushwick in, the, in this little um, uh, piece of land that we call No Wastelands, which is a 2,500 square foot um, public lot that we uh, transformed into a giant composting space that also has a kind of um, native wildlife garden. So there really isn't much uh, kind of kitchen vegetable growing there. It's really about um, coastal plants and plants that work really well here that uh, attract all sorts of pollinators. And so we have these very large windrow systems and uh, people, young people work these um, systems all throughout the year. It's a year round program. I can't get rid of this thing. Okay. Um, and then we have the drop off. So we also have, we also sell um, bags of compost, like very small one pound bags um, for people who want to support the garden and help keep the space working. Um, and just a little bit about the, the larger kind of vision. Um, we, you know, over the years have been really lucky to work with a lot of incredibly talented young people. And for most of these folks, this is, we are the first job they ever have. So we are the first boss they have. We're the first people to teach them how to write their, you know, their boss's emails, how to um, be on a work schedule, how to show up on time and show up with all the things you need. So it's not just about composting. There's really a professional development and personal development trajectory that we try to, um, we built into the program and we work with um, teachers in the schools that we recruit from and social workers to really build kind of a, um, like a very, I would say this network of mentoring adults who are really tapped into the lives of these young people and well past the time that they're in the program. So they might work with us for a year or two. As a biker, some people don't bike, they just compost, some people, um, do the sifting. So they take the material that's in the windrows and they run it through the sifter and they kind of package stuff and they manage the curing piles. Um, so these are just some examples of some of our young folks that are, I believe on staff now, um, just like great young folks who are at different points in their um, high school careers, moving into college. So um I don't know. I just love, they're just very sweet people who turn out to be incredibly capable of doing uh, sanitation work. They are waste workers um, in some ways. 
And so BK Rot was really, it's not alone. We, we started this project a little bit modeled off of a group in Northampton, um, Massachusetts. Um, the, the name of the group is escaping me now, but they were, uh, maybe they're called pedal pushers. They were collecting food waste in that Northampton Amherst area um, from households on um, uh, like electric assist bikes and trikes. And of course, covering much less dense terrain where we're very fortunate to have very um, density. So the collections are easy and we modeled that. So we were the first of the kind here in New York City and it was um, certainly filled with a lot of challenges, insurance, and putting teenagers on bikes, collecting trash. <laughs> DSNY was like, what are you all doing? But we managed to really scale up and do something incredible. And then, of course, there were other groups that um, kind of emerged from this. We, you know, we were a model. We didn't, you know, we didn't feel proprietary ownership over this. We really wanted people, we wanted to build something that could replicate. It's a very simple system. People pay a monthly fee. We pick up this stuff. We make the compost. We give it away. We felt like it was a very simple system. So this is um, the Instagram of Reclaimed Organics, which covers Manhattan. If there's any of you who are there, they do. Um, they are very great because unlike us in Brooklyn, they cover you know, bigger buildings, bigger commercial buildings, a lot of uh, small offices that are in large scale buildings. And they've really managed to come up with this innovative way of consolidating a lot of material in these buildings um, and using some of the, the um, what would I call the, the uh, custodial spaces of buildings to consolidate material and then have a larger pickup or they bring it to their um, space. So again, they're just using these kind of like big, big bikes. Um, they have a bucket system inside an office space and then they cover a, a very large terrain. Uh, so they also host a drop off um, in the city. And so what, um, what we kind of call the work we're doing besides community composting is we call it micro hauling. So unlike a large scale um, carter who is a hauler, we're a micro hauler, meaning our, the, the amount of material that we can put on our, our, our um, bikes is about 800 pounds or less. Um, and so that's, that's why we call ourselves micro. And there are about five or six of us in the city. We have an informal kind of trade association and we actually were able to get um, this fossil fuel based hauling of and transportation of organic waste codified into um, city law. So this is uh, BK Rod along with many environmental justice groups um, with the historic signing of um, the commercial waste zone bill, which I won't get into because it's its own bucket of explanation, but essentially it created a zone system that is going to um, drastically transform the way the private uh, sanitation uh, industry is run in New York City and really reduce the vehicle truck mileage that is used to transport waste all across the city. And a part of that bill got bike powered transportation of organic waste included. So we are a legit type of industry, an emerging industry with many different players who are active and more that are um, trying to set up. Um, and then just a couple other things. So BK Rod is part of also a larger 
national movement. There is a, um, a community composters coalition that is a national movement of composters who are um, running essentially social enterprises that are like BK Rot, they're businesses where there are in cities and small towns where there are not municipal organics waste recycling programs. Um, people have started businesses that are um, specifically for collecting food waste from um, home residential homes and commercial businesses of all different sales and uh, uh, scales and sizes. Some are using bikes. Some are using um, different types of vehicles, but it's essentially a coalition of groups who really believe that um, composting should be, um, you know, widely implemented, that it, it is an essential piece of um, city or urban or town planning, and that we need to really be investing in the infrastructure to be able to house all this material and get it to where it needs to go. So it's really a nice, um, it's a nice coalition if you're interested to really get involved in to learn what everyone else is doing around community composting. And every year they host a national forum called Cultivating Community Compost Forum. Um, and there was one actually here in New York City um, earlier this year. So, or no, in 2019. Um, <laughs> so, so there's a bunch of folks around the world and around um, the country who have their heads in this, who there's a listserv where people, you know, you join the listserv and people are um, constantly asking questions about how to set up their systems, how to scale up the work that they're doing. And really, we're just trying to fill in gaps um, where, uh, you know, where cities are really trying to expand their services. The, you know, these are costly programs. Um, and as Mary said, you know, New York City's municipal program is one of the largest already in the country and it's not even covering the entire city. So um, in our area in Bushwick, we actually never got the Brown Boone program. And so BK Rot was really serving as um, an opportunity for folks who were traditionally bringing it into the city to the Union Square markets or waiting for, you know, um, you know, the, the week, the weekend uh, farmers market to happen, we tried to really create a service that helps make this really convenient for you, you can either drop it off or you can, um, you know, get it picked up. So I'll, I'll pause there. Um, for questions and and just like the the broader conversation, but thanks for having me. Mute. Okay, must unmute. I've said the words "you're muted" about ten thousand times in the last <laughs> twelve months of my life. So thank you so much for that incredible presentation. I was very struck by it, ha having never heard of it, to be honest, having before this before doing this, and that's what. We are hoping through this conversation that we are going to be exposing new ideas and new ways. Um, I love that it was included into that, um, that into that uh, bill, and uh, which I happen to have known about a bit. So, Sandy, thank you so much for that presentation. And as far as um, for, you know, a question for you, Sandy, also. What, what are your thoughts on, so what I'm hearing is that you're, you're having, you're creating jobs 
So at the same time that you're creating jobs and you're, and you're providing this youth leadership and doing this amazing service in our community, we are asking people to reduce food waste and try and write, ultimately we want less compost other than what we are creating just by a normal eating. So do you have any, any suggestions, thoughts for people from your point of view on how people can reduce that food waste? Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's, you know, there's been a lot of, frankly, a lot of uh, foundation money and philanthropy efforts to try to create opportunities for popular education for folks to learn how to make more use of the food they have in different parts of the food, um, how to cook differently, how to different recipes you can do to use the entire piece of food that you're getting. Um, and I think that's really great. And I think we should continue to, um, you know, encourage people to be aware of their consumption patterns and also, you know, the way that they're, they're using food. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I see composting itself as, um, you know, the, the amount that, the fact that there is always going to be some form of organic waste and rather than it sitting in a landfill, that this is a part of, you know, food waste can be the start of another nutrient cycle that is just as important to our community as eating food, you know, because it's, we're, you know, everything is so connected. And so really the production of compost putting that directly into our, onto our, onto the earth and making use of this material in um, different parts of the urban landscape is really facilitating broader health benefits for our community. Um, it's facilitating plants growing faster that which facilitates carbon being sequestered out of the air. And so it's not, it's not an either or, it's not a, there's not a net negative that happens by having um, organic waste going to composting, but there is when it goes into a landfill. So, you know, obviously we wanna reduce consumption and we wanna encourage different um, better cooking, but um, I think some of this also kicks further up into the supply chain, into a conversation around, um, you know, expiration dates of food and the excess that is built into our current uh, grocery system and the, the, the excessive amount of food waste that is planned to be trashed um, in our food system and really putting that burden back onto that system rather than necessarily on the individual to hold all of the thinking um, in their day about the food waste, we should be reducing these at, at the larger scale um, where the food waste is generated. And I'm gonna put, thank you, and I wanna put into the chat here for everyone. We are gonna be sending you a bunch of information after this presentation, assuming you have registered with us, which we can tell you how to do. Uh, but here's a food waste calculator. So you can check for yourself how you are managing your own food waste and the impact that it would have. And then you can change some habits and then you can do the food waste calculator again and see if you've reduced that. Um, so we have many more questions, many more ideas. And of course you're seeing them in the chat and we are coming up to the end of our hour together. So we, uh, I wanna make sure that we end 
we can we can take more questions, but I also want to make sure that everyone to acknowledge everyone that we are coming to the end. And before we get off the call or before you start getting off, you can. Um, so hopefully everyone that came tonight was registered with us to come on. That's how you got the link for this presentation. And if not, you can email, you'll see Brett just put it in there, but I'll put it in the chat again. You can email us at envirojustice at forthu.org. We are going to be sending the presentation out. We've been streaming this on YouTube and you're welcome to share this information with other people, of course, and then we will keep you in the loop as things develop, as we do more work together. And of course, we want to hear from your communities on what you're doing so that we can expand that cooperation and ability for us all to make an impact. We do have also, this is another reason why you would want to have us have your email address is we do have some advocacy uh, actions that you can take, different ways that you can support coalitions of groups that are working to Say, to increase compost in New York City and doing other uplifting environmental cl climate justice activities. So not just in New York City, outside of our city as well. So um, please, if you haven't already, go ahead and send us an email and we will make sure that you're on the list. So also before we end, I would be terribly remiss if I did not stop and thank Brett and Jody. Yo, Brett and Jody. Okay, I'm gonna spotlight you right now. Spotlight, bam, Brett and Jody, because uh, not only did they basically coordinate the entire, all the panelists and all the speakers and did all the research and everything else to make this such an incredibly informative and beautiful process. So um, thank you so much, Brett and Jody of Fourth U. And now I'll remove the spotlight so you don't be embarrassed if you don't want. Okay. And, um, and of course, thanking also my co-lead Barbara Woods, who is here with us tonight and who is, um, we're, we're continuing. So this is just the beginning for us. There's more to come. And if anybody has any other questions, you can feel free. We'll stay on just for a couple more minutes. We'll feel, feel free to put them in the chat and any other questions. Um, I know actually that uh, Barbara said, question for Sandy and Mary, will you talk about how people who live in apartments can hold compost in their freezer to drop off at a city site? Is there someone that would jump into that question? Mary, you want to quick pick that one? Um, yeah, how you store compost at home. People have different ways to do that. Um, some people keep it in their freezer. Some people keep it on their counter. Um, Sandy talked about using compostable bags. I um, ask you to check with the food scrap drop off that you're bringing it to whether they can handle those or not. Um, frankly, if you just want to put it in a large Tupper thing, an old yogurt container, and dump it there, that's probably your best bet. If you're on the go and you can't, a plastic bag, dump it in and throw out the plastic bag to, to drop that. Um, some places can handle the compostable bags, but there's not really a point in investing in them if, if they can't handle them. So, um, yes. I keep mine on the counter yeah, <laughs> so, for a week. 
The thing is, you have to remember to bring it to a drop off because my freezer and here's what else. is full of compost, and I started no, I don't a composting have... project. So, you know, got to remember to take right. it out. I don't have I don't have room in my freezer. What I will say is that if you are composting, um, keeping it, adding more paper. If you have, if you use um, nap paper napkins, oh my goodness, for those of um, people who do, or food soiled paper towels, tea bags, things like that, that will help absorb the moisture, which is what creates the smell. So sprinkle some baking soda on it. So if you go to the compost video links where I'm, uh, you'll be sending out, it's actually me in the videos showing you how to maintain your bins. <laughs> with longer hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say that I'm so grateful. I did apply for and got the bin, the brown bin, and was doing it quite happily. I was sweeping up all the leaves on my street and putting them in there and getting my neighbors to put it in. And then it went, uh, but I'm very fortunate to have a place upstate where we just take our, we just take uh, our, our compost and dump it and the crows come and eat it. And it's kind of fun. So um, yeah, our freezer gets pretty full from week to week as well. I'll also say I'm seeing some people who are actually paying the fee for composting services and piggybacking together so that they say, well, gee, I wouldn't have enough on my own to fill this bin, um, but gathering with their neighbors um, to say, okay, let's do this, let's go in on this together. So that's a delight to see that the interest is so high. 